everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Anatomy of Tone. I'm going to be hitting the road this week with my band Silvertooth Cactus, which is a hard rock melodic band. We're going to go to Philly and Ohio, and then we're going to have a show in our hometown of New York City. You can go to the website silvertoothcactus.com and get more details. And we're in Philly on Thursday, and then Saturday and Sunday we're in Ohio. So you could check out where exactly we are, if that's near where you are, and please come out and say hello. This week we're going to talk to Douglas Gibson, who is a teacher slash mentor of mine. I started studying with Doug during the pandemic, so I always wanted to learn more about orchestration and classical composition. My gateway to this was through film scoring. I wanted to understand more about film scoring and Bernard Herrmann and Jerry Goldsmith and some of my scores that I was in love with. This actually opened up the door for me realizing that it wasn't just film composition that I wanted to study. I wanted to study a lot of forms of either atonal or 12 tone or music of all different kinds of tonal varieties. I found my way to Doug through some searches online and really got lucky because I happened to land on such a knowledgeable and insightful person who was really open to curate lessons to my needs. Now, although I had a history and a lot of experience in various genres of music, when I started studying with Doug, I wanted to start over in some ways. And one of the ways I approached it was that I didn't want to assume that I knew anything because I had a bit of an awareness, mostly being self-taught, that there were probably a couple details that were missing within the collection of information that I already had. And this worked out really wonderfully because sometimes even hearing somebody go over subject matter that you already know gives you different perspective on it. And for this reason, sometimes I like to read several books on the same topic and talk to Doug or uh, if you have an instructor, your instructor about it because it can just help fortify the information that you're trying to understand. When I first started studying with Doug, my focus was on orchestration because I, at the time, I think had a blind spot in not realizing some of the information I was lacking right from the core level of harmonization and just core composition. And as we got into the orchestration, it kind of came up through Doug being like, oh, you, you want to dig more into these compositional aspects. And I was like, yeah, I do actually. And, and it was amazing how much that shined a light on, I, I would say that the hierarchy of creation or from the beginning of creation till the finality of finishing a piece. So I was essentially decorating a cake or looking to decorate a cake when I didn't have the cake fully baked yet. Doug really got in there and started from the beginning and talk about putting what cake recipe you're gonna use and how long you're gonna bake it for and how long does it need to cool before you put icing on it. And then you have to cool it down after that before you present it. It was like a full process, which I, it just completely changed my view on music and still continues to. One of the many things I love about Doug's teaching style is the ability he has to really tune in to what each student needs. And he's really trying to figure out where you are, where you're going, what pieces you're missing. And I also love his ability to immediately diagnose problems in a composition. And I could just put a piece of music in front of him and in two seconds, his eyeballs have gone to the section where it's like the weakest element of it. And I, I joke with my wife sometimes about um, uh, Doug in the sense that I was, 
going to poke fun of them a little bit here because uh, it, it, I'll, I'll present a composition and there'll be a section in it that I don't have worked out and I know is not right. And I'll just say to them, like, okay, yeah, just don't pay attention to that section. I'm, I'm not ready with that one yet. And it's, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever seen Austin Powers, but there's a scene in Austin Powers where uh, one of the characters comes in with a mole on his face and Austin Powers can't help but to, uh, to just blurt out the word mole and say uh, things with the word mole guacamole and things like that uh, and, and and doug is just able to do that with a composition like it, you just find the weak spot so quickly that uh it's like if you put it on the paper in front of him he's gonna find it regardless of you telling him that uh, don't pay attention to that part it's like but it's there <laughs> i've also just admired how quickly he can find it it's it's you can't hide anything from him and that's i think uh, a pretty important quality and and uh, of a good teacher is that is always just looking everything over and, and thinking about, okay, well, even if you're not there yet, you're still on the track to need to figure this out at some point. You're working it out. And then what, what can I give you just to help you along that process of working out what isn't fleshed out yet and could potentially be a problematic area? So I laugh at it, but it's actually a really good quality in his teaching process that I have actually found beneficial. It's really been amazing studying with Doug. I grew up with some visual and hearing disabilities that made traditional schools a little difficult. I think if I went to college as much as I would have liked to go to college, I didn't. I dropped out of high school, got my GED and studied music on my own primarily. And I think I being in a, a standardized school or college system, being in a big room with 40 or 50 people and having to see something on a projector or, or blackboard would have been problematic for me and uh, definitely would have limited my the speed of my growth, I think, in the environment. So studying privately was definitely a, a, a better fit for, uh, I'd say, some of the disabilities I had. I think it wasn't something I understood for a number of years or, or maybe even understood the quality of one-to-one -one lessons. It turned out to be one of the most important things I ever have done in my life. I always wanted to, to understand how to write for orchestras and, and write atonal music and serialism or just be more flexible in my compositions, even if I'm writing like rock music, or surf music, or blues or punk. But I had roadblocks and even though I read a lot of books, sometimes I was hitting roadblocks in the books that were outside of just some of the limitations I had with the standardized school system. Like some concepts just benefit from having a, a support system or a spotter that as you're learning it, they can just stand near you and say, hey, wait, don't don't you you're going down the wrong path with that you're misunderstanding that let's clarify that because the book sometimes just give a little short snippet of information about maybe a technique or a concept and often they need to be elaborated more on by a person who's actually used and had experience with those techniques and i knew i wanted to study with somebody that had an active, still a current active relationship with composing and had a history of composing. And I did a lot of searches on the web and I found Doug and there were a lot of things that really intrigued me about his history. He used to live in New York City, he's lived in a number of different places, but he's studied with a lot of different amazing mentors and, and teachers. 
He's written compositions that have been performed by orchestras in both the United States and Australia. He's composed scores for films and documentaries. He is orchestrated for films and other outlets. He's written music to be published that's performed by various outfits. He's won numerous awards. It's really it has a lot of control over his craft and immediately just seemed like somebody that I felt I can really learn a lot from. And of course, you don't know until you have one lesson with somebody, but immediately after the first lesson, I knew that this was somebody I was going to study with for a considerable amount of time. And right now I just consider my studies with him to be ongoing. I mean, the amount of information that Doug has access to either in his mind or knows where to access it is, first of all, incredibly impressive, but also extremely valuable from my perspective of learning. I thought it would be a good idea to sit down and talk with him because I wanted to know more about what sparked his interest into getting this deep into music and being so interested in acquiring so much information, which is something I think we both share as I am very much interested in all always expanding my horizons on information. And it seems like Doug is, is like that too. And you'll, you'll hear that in this podcast where he opens up and talks about his journey. By the end of the interview, I don't even think it's going to take that long really, but I think you'll understand why he has been such an inspiration and continues to be such an inspiration for me. With the exception of the intro and outro theme, all the music that you hear in the podcast is going to be Doug's. Let's jump in.
we're going to welcome Douglas Gibson to the podcast. Hi, Doug. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. I have uh, thought we would start pretty early on with you because you have a very interesting path throughout your music career, where you started and where you ended up. And one of the things that I think always fascinates me about you is your uh, the amount of information that you've gathered throughout years and the willingness to, it seems like, further just kind of add more and more to it. I mean, you, to me, you seem like a, a walking musical encyclopedia. So I'd like to know your um, your pathway Thanks, to that. Man. Like, you know, you well, grew up in Phoenix, first, right? First I'm old. You know, it happens, you get more you get more information the older you get. Yeah, so I grew up in Phoenix. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I think I, I credit, you know, I have to credit my early... Um, music teachers you know like i mean well first i started out i think like most very common way where just a friend of mine had a guitar and he was just like hey get a guitar you know we'll start a band and you know so i had no idea what i was in for and i think the thing that was such a revelation for me because i was kind of not really clicking with school you know is that once i got into private music lessons i never really studied with someone one-on-one who was really master you know at what they did and and just like my you know i'd watch my guitar teacher play and he was i mean he was a virtuoso and it was just amazing you know like he could play like the things i thought would be difficult you know he could just play and to his credit i think you know that started you know he would always ask me like well have you heard such and such you know and at the time by the way, I should actually maybe date myself. This is like the late 80s, early 90s. And the main source of way I started getting information was uh, through like guitar magazines, you know, they were, that you would buy at the grocery store and so on. Um, With the tablatures in them, like yeah, guitar world. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly. And it might have been an interview with like, I think Randy Rhodes, um, where he talked about classical music. You know, and then I would go to, you know, the classical music section was always like the cheapest section, you know, be like $3 for you know cassette or CD. That's old, you know, like I said, I am. And then, you know, at first I was like trying to just like study that to bring back to like, you know, my electric guitar playing. And, and I mean, and then I, it started to switch. You know, I really started to love classical music. I started taking classical guitar and I got accepted into uh, Arizona State's, you know, uh, classical guitar program. But then I left there and went to Musicians Institute because I was struggling with like, you know, and I think that's, you know, to kind of make a long story short, I think though that was being in a rock band it was always the goal to write your own music. And that's where I was starting struggling being with like the classical music program. It was just like, you know, interpreting, you know, I still wanted to write. And so um, then I went to, you know, and all along the way, you know, you How, just, at what age did you start playing electric guitar by the way, by the way, oh, so you 13, started taking 13, lessons. Like 13. 13 so, and that okay. was, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, that, that also um, was so, somewhat of a when I was sixteen, a bit of an existential crisis because, um, you know, with classical music, you know, you got people that start at like five, you know. So I really felt, you know, behind. And again, my teacher really got me to start thinking about things in like a, a very structured way, you know, like about you know creating a notebook and like how many hours are you going to practice. He was big into that, you know. He was like, you know, you got to practice six hours, you know, or something like that, you know. And 
and that was great, you know, because that that really, uh, you know, it produced results, you know, I, and so, um, but then along the way, you know, I just met, you know, um, more, I guess, teachers got, well, you know, and I, in if anything, like, I think the thing with guitar was I was starting to be a, you know, you go where the gigs are, you know, and the great thing too, is I could read music. My teacher made me read music so I could do charts. You know, I could, I would play in a jazz big band. I played in jazz big band, you know, throughout the, my high school and later went back, you know, to university and played in a jazz big band, but then I would play like at resorts, you know, like, you know, um, just like, you know, pop songs basically. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think the next important uh, development in my growth from like switching from you know guitar player to composer was i was having burnout you know as a guitar teacher this is after mit well you went you went to mit as a student or as a teacher no i went to, i was a student no student for sure student. you know the, the teachers there you know or next level you know for sure in the, um uh and was that mostly rock oriented there or did they have like jazz studies well mi has a very funny kind of um open campus vibe so you can sit in on any class you know like you have your classes yeah. that you're signed in but you and they also had which was really great they also had what they called office hours you know so it's just like you know this person's going to be sitting in a room for two hours and if you want come on in and play you know so like um i don't know if you know who joe diorio is you know but um yeah. he wrote so he was one of the teacher, you know, instructors, and and that's where man he handed me my ass. <laughs> you know, like, really? hey, I hope this is, uh, you know, <laughs> you can edit out the any language, right? <laughs> um, you know, um, I mean, but it was great. You know, like I would go to like the next room, and there'd be like some like a guy named Steve Travato, you know, who was like you know like a very country music guy, you know, or there was another guy named Scott Henderson, who you might know. Uh -huh. um, you know, and he would be in another room and you could just hang out and just play, you know, you would like people just take turns like, you know, they just have these like backing tracks and you just kind of jam and he would give you feedback and, you know, and you know how guitar players are, you're just always kind of noodling, noodle, noodle, you know, noodle, just, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just hear this like B sounds, you know, of, um, the guitar strings. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so to go, I guess, chronologically, I guess then that was in 94, 95, maybe. And then I went back to phoenix and i started teaching and then you know i did that for a, f a few years and i would teach at a music stores and i got like about 60 students a week and that's where i started to burn out like i was telling you you know because i would be like in a room from like three to ten but then i would not feel like practice i didn't feel like i had practiced at all or really worked on my chops and i would get home and it was like oh you know i should play you know i should practice but i don't want to but what happened was the turning point was setting you know i got like a new computer and setting up in like i got you know cubase and um and i could finally start to record my own myself you know like because i grew up with like four track tapes and like i could only get two to work and you know and i didn't wasn't really interested in the midi side but then i could record my own you know instruments okay well and I gave myself a goal. I made like a CD, you know, of an instrumental CD that year. And that's when I was like, you know, I really want to learn, you know, how to compose, you know, to write. That's kind of started out like, I guess you call it like musical life number two, you know? So then I went to conservatory, 
spent, I think, eight years um, doing studying composition. Is this one one specific place? No, no, I've hopped around. Um, I went down back down to here in Australia. I went to a school called the Victorian College of the Arts, um, and then I went to the University of Melbourne, and then I have like basically a few started but never finished postgraduate credits from i think vanderbilt ohio state and uh juilliard um and uh and then how come like what was the um life oh like why why you know and i was yeah like why just switch around so many different places um to study with certain people you know um so so like there's a lady named Marianne Plosier, um in Vanderbilt who's who I went to study with, you know, and um, they're kind of, uh, and then there's a, a musicologist named David Haran uh, at uh, the Ohio State that I studied with and Sam Adler, you know, at Juilliard. And, and then, you know, but at that time, because I was older, I was kind of living two lives of two. I've always kind of had like two, two musical lives where I was in, you know, studying, but I was also trying to make a living, you know, doing my music. So I would have like, you know, like writing whatever for hire, you know, or doing the tasks for hire with, you know, whatever, you know, kind of schoolwork. And so, you know, sometimes they, they gelled together well, and sometimes they pull me in opposite sides, you know, it's not always pretty. Um, but as yeah. far as, uh, you know, I mean, as far as like, um, like you say, like uh, learning, I mean, the other thing is, is, is I, I will have to credit my students too. You know, I get so much, you know, brought into me, you know, that I would never see or get exposed to, you know, that, um, I mean, I've had students lecture me on like video game composers, you know, like, and I'm like, I, you know, I didn't know anything, you know, or. Right. Or a number of things, you know, and they like they just lecture. You know, I just sit there <laughs> listening to them lecture me, you know, about you know who's who in this, you know, in this genre. Like they're like, have you do you know? I don't know. I mean, whatever the fucking name is, like Bioshock or you know something like right. that. And and also you right. know what what has always been part of my teaching, and I think it's from how I you know from learning guitar is like I will often transcribe things for my students too. You know, like if they're if they're interested in that, I'll tell them, well, send me something, you know, and, and so we can do something like in that style for you. And so it helps as well to then like that's like field research, like direction. Yeah. And, and it's it's a, it's a little bit like dipping into different language, you know, and just to learn like what the syntax of each kind of, you know, because you know, there's always obviously common elements, you know, to to all of it but i i think i've always kind of liked that you know that little mystery of like how it's constructed because like even when i would get brought in like country music or something like that you know it was still interesting you know to me of like how to actually break it down and i think that's something too that um i've learned you know it's just like you know is that craft side you know where because not you know if you work for hire i mean some you're not always going to be thrilled, you know, by the artistic direction or something like that. But, you know, as much as you can, you know, to do the best you can, you know, and, and just like, you know, keep your, as long as you're thinking about the music and not like your opinions about it, you know, like the, the better usually 
the end result will be, I think. So. Yeah, you have to remember that you're there to serve a job. It's not your job, right? And so you have to yeah. make it the best some, you can, but I you mean, realize it's somebody yeah. else's desire that you're... Right, doing. and some of them are have been awful, I have to be honest with you. I mean, I've had some real shockers, you know, Mark. And I'm like, I was like, really? You know, this is really... Yeah, I've been on sessions where I've been asked to play things, and I just know it's not right, and it's wrong, and it's just like it doesn't sound good, but it's their idea and their baby and I just have to, I have to yeah. play it, you know, and, and avoid my instincts and just, cause it's what they want. You know? Yeah. I thought, you know, back, back when I did a little bit of session playing, you know, I think I, I may have told you the story, but um, there was this group called Sepultura. They're this like Brazilian heavy metal group and they were recording. So this is in Phoenix and there was a guy named a rap star named like DMX, I think was his name. He, it was his studio. And I was like the guitar player for this R&B singer, right? And so Sepultura was recording their uh, album, but I was there for the session and they told me to set up. And like right next to my amp was this big like Brazilian altar, you know, to some deity, you know? And I just looked at that, I was like, nope, nope, you know, I'm not. <laughs> and so they put me in the bulk of it, you know, cause I was, that was like too, that was too far, you know? Right, I'm not, you're like, this is, this is a no, safe distance I, Yeah, away I'm not messing with the spirit world, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> like, like I don't believe it, but just to be safe, put me in the vocal yeah, booth. Gotta play it safe and go over here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean, I've had, yeah, I mean, man, I've had, you know, uh, I, I don't know why I'm talking about this story, but I also remember, you know, I used to play guitar for weddings. And this one time, you know, this guy, you know, they, they're saying their vows and the bride just collapses. Like she's like, he's like, the priest is like, do you? And she just falls to the ground crying. And the guy, uh -oh. you know, the dad, like, comes over to me. He's like, play some music, play some music. What you do know? you play in that instance? I, yeah, like, no, I played, like, uh, was it, like, Jesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, you know? It was like, da da, da <laughs> Oh, I, da, I thought da, maybe da, you were going to be snarky da, da, and play, like, a breakup song or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, it's totally... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. The thrill's gone, you know, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. The thrill's gone. would be a good one, yeah. <laughs> you know? But I was, you know, I was sitting over there, man, this guy, poor, poor girl. So she gets up and she goes, I, like, it's like she's on the ground for like three minutes. And then she gets up and goes, I do. And I was like, oh, whoa. she was just having an emotional moment. Yeah, but I was like, whoa, you got to ask this guy again. <laughs> like, if your bride just fell down crying, you know. This guy gets a second shot, right? And so, yeah, totally, um, totally. But anyhow, um, yeah, you know, I guess uh, with anything, like, you know, just keep on, you know, music's endless. And yeah, I keep on trying to try and recapture whatever, you know, whatever, uh, like, just from the beginning, like, you know, like, what still fascinates me, you know, is what's still mysterious, you know, you gotta, gotta keep searching for that, you know. How did you choose, because obviously you were jumping around to these different conservatories because you had specific people in mind, so you're already on, a, on in your own mind, a very specific track to gather uh, certain uh, levels of expertise from people. How did you go about doing that? Was each of these places you went with because you knew this exact person well, had Well, I would a tell certain... anybody, you know, you always want to find the if you're serious about it, you know, I mean, it, it depends on goals, right? Like, you know, but I mean, if like someone's listening to this and is like really wants to be a professional musician, I tell anyone, find the best you can, you know, go to the top of the field because people at the top are going to have a set of distinctions 
that others don't, you know, by their kind of nature. And some of it has been, it's been interesting without like naming names, like some who are at the top, you know, like maybe it wasn't the right fit. You know, there's also that side. But mm-hmm. I've also found just, you know, synchronicity, just chance, just dumb luck. You know, I was able to meet some people that um, are not well-known, but are, you know, met the criteria, you know, completely. You know, because, like, there is kind of that, you know, sometimes, like, like my first guitar teacher, I mean, he, he just lived at home and played like with his parents, you know, he was still like 40 living at home with his parents and he just, <laughs> he just played 12 hours a day. Like no one like, you know, knew him, you know, but he was just this like guru, you know, and um, also what, you know, um, uh, so there's been a couple of people, you know, that have really, um, one my, actually I'll give a shout out to, I have to give a credit to my biggest mentor is a lady named Victoria Bond. And, you know, I, I mean, I met her by, by chance, you know, just through Juilliard. And um, she was the first conductor, you know, to, first woman to graduate from Juilliard with a DMA in conducting. You know, she studied with Herbert von Carrion. Um, she used to be a conductor of, like, Pittsburgh Symphony. Um, just a great person. And we developed a friendship, you know, where I mean, she was my mentor. Um, I also just have, you know, this was another thing that was great about living in New York City is just the proximity of really talented people within your my neighborhood, you know? Like, um, yeah. I lived, you know, next to a composer named Aaron J. Kernis, who's on, you know, faculty at Yale. Um, but I met a person named Noam Savan. And if anyone's listening and wants to, like, literally have your jaw hit the floor you know just google youtube noam savan piano um because he's just a master of improvisation you know and he'll just like improvise fugues on the floor and so he lives across the street from me and so every week i would just go to his house and he would just like we would just like he would pick something like the well timber clap here and be like let's improvise on it you know and to be able to move like you know like there's no and, and when you're improvising there's no hiding you know i mean it's like especially yeah. like that you know it's like because you can kind of with composing you can kind of squirrel away like you get a week to think about it and do whatever you know but this is like you this. try a bunch of things out that's not yeah. the one that's yeah not the but one. this yeah. and i mean and it was it was just like playing chess with like watson or how 2000 you know i mean it was just like right right you know like the um but it was it was but you know that's what i'm so grateful for because you know i think i spent five years you know doing that like almost every week you know and um um and he was on faculty at juilliard manis and curtis you know before you know he left to overseas but so i mean you know again like you just it's almost like it's strange in the sense of like um you see the through thread later you know like what this teacher led me to this teacher and and some of the other things about i would i would say to anyone too it is valuable to have a few teachers because sometimes like you hear the same thing even from a different person 
And it's almost like confirmation of like, oh, yeah, okay, well, now I really do need to work on that because you're like the third right. person, you know, yeah, that's yeah, told me that. And I couldn't like, 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 I'm trying the to first avoid this people yeah. keep mentioning it to me. You know, <laughs> even though that that's what he said, you know, the first year. And yeah, you know, and I, I think uh, I found generally, like, especially within the classical, like, people, almost, almost everyone's been really cool. You know, like, if you just approach them in the right way and like, you know, like, we'll um people have been very open to you know teaching a lesson or a couple things and you know you see how it is you know like and uh but but it's been great like uh, ideally it's like you're you're communicating with people that have a deep love for music so it's like yeah and and often the the want to share and be excited about what they're interested yeah yeah mostly is and and especially if you can do it like you know um what do you call it like um that works for them you know like i mean like like i've i've worked you know studied privately with people who are on faculty at university um and it's still the same person but um you know it's it's different than i mean there's a whole thing about whether you go to like a a conservatory just for the name you know or if it's a fit you know because like there's so many schools that are really good schools that have a different um aesthetic or outlook you know but people will just like be like i want to get into juilliard i want to you know it's just like fixed right. like it's just so you just want that name or something you know it's the, right the yeah the system that it works on might not be the one that right. connects with the way your brain thinks. i mean columbia is going to be different than juilliard but it's going to be different than yeah like rather and i would definitely say try and find a good fit you know better than like ugh, the brand you know name mm-hmm. so mm-hmm and and with um looking at you were saying is victoria being that was her oh victoria yeah yeah victoria so um after having all the mentors and something that really sticks out to you about her like what were some of the things in the mentorship that really resonated with you that that you still carry oh god i mean i victoria i could build a statue for victor i should you know first off you know one of the things about staying with people that are really good is it crushed my ego, you know, because like, I always say it thought like secretly thought like, man, if I just work harder than anyone else, you know, I could be the best, you know, but then you meet someone who's like way better than you. And you're like, you know what? It's never going to happen. I mean, you know, like her, you know, I mean, her pedagogy, I mean, and I also think this is something that's unique that I've had experience with, you know, being mentored by a woman, you know, and in no, like, what do you call it? Like, she has the skill. Like, I'm telling you, like, to study with her, I mean, it's incredible. You know, like, her her parents were professional musicians. Her mom studied with Bartok. Oh, wow. You know, like, I mean, you just, like, once you see the CV, it's just like, oh, you know, like I said, there's no competing. You know, she was a professional singer. She sang with um, Henry Cal in his group, you know, which is like this. Oh, yeah. You know, so <laughs> kind of out there. You know, she was, um, uh, she worked in film a bit for, uh, I think composer named Paul Glass, no relation to Philip, um, and did a lot of writing. But then she was a conductor. She studied with Carry On. She was um, the assistant to Pierre Belez, you know, at the New York Philharmonic. Oh, uh-huh. You know, so she had, like, you know, that career. And she's an incredible singer, incredible piano player. 
And she still runs a new music festival called, um, well, it might actually just be called the New York Music Festival. Or, uh, um, that happens at, um, I forget the name now, but it happens every year, you know. And so she's really like, in, you know, at the forefront of putting new composers or new works, you know, concerts on. And she uh, she just is such a great person, you know, like she and she's had a lot because like her story was like her, Marion Alsop and Joanne Folletta, uh, who's in, up at Buffalo, um, were like the three, you know, this is like the late 70s, you know, the three kind of emerging women conductors, you know, and um, uh but just her, her guidance, you know, and and it was different though than like studying like a lesson because it's more of a mentorship. Because like I helped her with like the music preparation for a lot of her works, you know, and so I would like watch over her shoulder too, you know, of like how she would write right, as she's being creative. Like you were actually in the inner yes, circle. Yes, saying, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, and I was, and so that was also really instructive for me, you know, and. Um, and that's where I started to figure out like a little bit of stuff that was not, so to speak, taught in books, you know, where it's just like, oh, okay, I can kind of see, you know, because I would have to kind of a little bit predict, you know, like where it's going to go, you know, or what kind of moves, you know, and, uh, and that was, yeah, you know, I mean, just that, that, that length of time, you know, spending like, you know, five hours or 10 hours with someone like that, you know. And another thing that was great, you know, we developed, like I said, we developed like a friendship, you know, she would always give me like, we'd go to concerts together and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, no, I can't, I can't say enough, you know, great things about, you know, her. And she never let, like, because one thing about, you know, being a composer too, is you're going to get rejected. You know, it's going to be, there's going to be some down, you know, moments you know and she never let that stop her you know and uh and so no like uh, a great speaker. yeah and being of that of that generation too it was almost impossible to uh really even be accepted at all like let alone your music i mean just being a, a woman composer got yeah. so much bs you know like yeah oh totally you know yeah. so much you know but she's the real deal you know like i mean like so like the craft i mean it I've never seen someone like so well-rounded. She's a great conductor, great singer, great piano player, great composer. You know, she does the pre-concert, used to do the pre-concert talks for the New York Philharmonic and the Met. You know, she's a great public speaker. She's like a Bernstein, you know, like just that oh, kind of like yeah. that, like, ah, oh, you know. Like worldly knowledge, just like breeze. Yeah, you know, just yeah. that knew how to talk about music, you know, knew how to write, you know, was like, could, I mean, you know, cause again, cause she's a professional, you know, singer as well, you know, so like, you know, and the conductor, she could hear things and just go sing, you know, like, I mean, she's on, I'm telling you, like nothing gets by, you know, and it's, it's, uh -huh. um, and, you know, studying with carry on, if you know Herbert von carry on, you know, like that they're both just this like forces of concentration. You know, just like that's another thing is like it's amazing, like how much, you know, she can just hear things outside of her head and just like, you know, again, like give clear directions on like how to fix it, you know, just like in an instant. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a it's a hard task. But um, but uh, so, I mean, again, it's just like that kind of, um, 
lifting up, being inspired by, you know, being around other people, you know, like, I mean, it's, or, yeah. com- or competing against other people, whatever it is, you know. And I've noticed, I mean, I think, and, and, and you've been around some more of these people than have, so maybe you could input on this more. But the one thing I've noticed is that there's a bit of a difference, and I, I definitely don't mean this in like any sort of uh, negative way, but I've definitely noticed there's a bit of a difference with um, teachers that not only understand composition and music theory, but are also composers versus people that maybe are just coming at it from strictly just being a theorist or mm. something like uh, listening to Leonard speak about music and and have him explain things on a level as a composer. Like he, he like understood it on not just like the technical level, but also understood like more layer, the other layers, the emotional layers of it and what it delivers. And it just seems to be like there's a more of a, a, a depth to it. And I know it's probably a broad statement, but I, I, I think that that level is what you're talking about with Victoria too. And, and that comparison with Leonard, right? Yeah, there are different sort of branches once, you know, because because sometimes what happens, like there's two, like with universities, there's two kind of weird defaults. And one of them's theory. And the other one is uh, musicianship, you know, where composers sometimes, you know, sink in like, you know, they figure you, oh, you're the composer, you teach theory. You know, like I got thrown into teaching Mm -hmm. counterpoint because they're like, you're a composer, you must know counterpoint, right? You know, by default. And, uh, you know, because like you, because in both of them, though, strangely, well, with the exception of some schools for theory, you can major in theory, but there's not a single university that lets you major in musicianship. So it's again, it's like by default, they find, oh, a piano player has perfect pitch. So, you know, you teach the freshman undergrad, your training class, you know, like, and, but, uh, uh-huh. but it's, it's a strange one. Like, why isn't there like a, you know, actual course, you know, that people can, you know, train for this, you know, so. Yeah, like, so to answer your question, yeah, with theory, there is kind of two branches of those who are um, composed, like, moonlighting theorists, we'll call them, like, moonlighters, they're really composers, you know, they're just kind of, they need a paycheck, and then there's, like, the, you know, the academics, you know, the academic theorists, and I think the difference is, is that from what I've seen is that, and again, look, I mean, this is a, obviously a generalization, but with composition, you're aware of how malleable music is, you know, that you can change this, right. this is this, whereas like the academic theorists are trying to define, you know, this chord is this and it structurally functions like this, you know, like, you know, make it like an absolute. And it should always function like well, this. Well, because like, like, it's part of being in academia that my argument is like the one that should be referenced, you know, going forward. You know, like this is the most mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sound, most researched, da, da, da. Um, because, you know, when you write papers in academia, you have to cite sources. You have to look at what other people's research is. And then if you do enough quoting of people who have been accepted, you f- you are more credible, apparently. You know, I mean, like, that's mm-hmm. another whole mm-hmm. thing. But, you know, then you, what you find is, like, yeah, there's a couple of, uh, you know, that's how professional theorists, like, make their living. You know, it's like to produce the definitive you know, it's also to write as much as about as small as you can, you know, so it's like, 
I wrote about broke ornamentation from 1735 to 1745 <laughs> in Leipzig, you know, on Jenny. Here's a 300-page yeah, book on that. Right, exactly, you know, and it's like, <laughs> boom, there it is, and you're the authority of that, you know, and um, and they're, they're different skills, you know, and I think that what I've also noticed, like, uh, I mean, obviously I gravitated more towards the conservatory side because, again, like, you have to perform. You know, whereas like if you, um, I don't know, I think there's something about that, that, that how do I put it? Like, again, there's it nowhere to hide, touch, right? well, there's nowhere to hide, uh-huh. you know, like you, like you, you, like you got to play the piano, like if you're a piano major, right? Like you got to like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just like go away and like collect a bunch of other people's interpretations of piano playing, like, you know what I mean? Like, and so you can be inspired, whereas like. Um, but again, they're, they're, they're so, somewhat different skills. So, but yeah, um, I've known a few people who've, uh, had to do the theory thing. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Cause I just, I read, uh, the, the Schoenberg book on counterpoint and there's like the last page in, in his book. It's really interesting. He basically in like a paragraph after having this book, like be so specific about the rules of counterpoint right it just breaks it down and drops the mic and basically saying okay these are the exact rules of counterpoint now they don't mean anything like like pretty much drops the yeah. mic and it's like kind of like that thing like like, like basically saying like this is a recipe for a certain genre of music but it also does that's all it is you know what i mean like music is obviously more malleable than that. and it was just so interesting i mean he's an interesting character anyway from somebody who was the 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 father of wanting to dismantle functional harmony who was also so much into functional harmony i mean it makes sense if you really think about it but also really was open to the idea that it is like music is malleable you know oh yeah and and you know a, a rule guarantees a certain result you know like and so if you're writing and you have a week to get like you know like the broke composers did like you have to write something in a week that's going to be performed for math the rules are really helpful because it narrows your focus you know like do this don't do that and you know again there was like the convention of the time so um you know and yeah and that's what i was kind of coming back to with like you know saying like um a fit you know like there's so many different style you know styles and directions and aesthetic kind of viewpoints you know that you can find people that are really good that have totally different viewpoints you know like i mean you know like i mean the you know back in the day i mean composers were pretty mean to each other you know if you look at like stravinsky talking about rachmaninoff you know it's like um and they're both really good you know they just they're different right you know totally. they're just they it's not like yeah. one was not you know they were both geniuses you know like they're both you know yeah, giants totally, yeah. but they just had different they're different people they had different aesthetics you know right. and um you know and that's again where it's uh um you know like one has to find like you know it's an always an ongoing journey of like what is going to help you to get to where you know whatever sound you want to hear but i do think i will say like the thing that i've noticed though is one thing that's not talked about enough i think and since we brought up theory one thing that is i think a missing topic and i don't know how you'd ever write about it is the five senses and how our five senses affect us you know with you know 
music because you know our primarily way we take in information is through our senses and then you know our mind like critical faculties like try and figure out what what are these sensations and make a story of it you know what i'm getting at is the more you you can hear you know your inner ear you develop it's so profitable it's such a good use of your time you know so that way you have an actual like if you and, it's, and this is where you know seeing can be really helpful you know and seeing like the different modes or transcribing so you get like a like almost like almost like a chef you know like, like you know it's not just like oregano like as a concept but there's like a taste you know like there's almost like a yeah, you know, you can the, taste it without tasting. It's like audiation, <laughs> right? The idea that you know what it sounds like before you do Bingo. it. Bingo, right? or you were, but not just with the sound, but also there's a feel to it as well. You know, like if uh -huh. it's like, you know, you hear that there's like maybe, uh, you know, like this is where things like it's always going to be subjective. Like you know, maybe there's like you know that's G minor. To me, there's like there's like a like a maroon color to that chord. You know, and yeah. whenever I play that chord, I, I just, I, I don't know, I have like, I can, I'm not, I don't have synesthesia, but you know, there is a sensation of it just kind of has that um, aesthetic to it. And just like, you know, with again, if like, it's you like do, you're building up your own library of associations with feeling and visualizations exactly, that the sound makes to you, Exactly, right? uh -huh. you know, and, um, and I think that that is, um, like I said, one of the most profitable things because, you know, because all because so much, you know, what the composer has to do is take all the theory and make it meaningful. You know, it has to mm -hmm. mean something, you know, and that's where it's like, again, like, you know, you might want to, you know, this sound, you know, might be, you know, against the rules, but it depends on what you're trying to, you know, we're not in the, the 17th century counterpoint was primarily church music, you know, and you might, yeah. might not be writing in that style, you know, right. anymore. And so if it's something like creepy or something like that, you know, I mean, there's all right. sorts then of, it's you the know, perfect sound. It evokes the right emotion for what you're trying to say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think then that's where, you know, it really is about how much you can control with what you're trying to achieve you know like whatever it is you know whatever direction you're going the thing though is like you know how many times are you having to erase you know like how many times are you deleting and like hoping deleting hoping deleting hoping deleting hoping you know that kind of thing so so yeah look i would say then it, you know the more you can make whatever sound you know have meaning to you the deeper you're going to learn it you know and so it's like uh like I said, it's an unexplored area. Yeah, I so agree area. with that. And I've also found that that's like, a, I find a lot of people have a tro trouble learning modes. And so they don't know how to use the modes and they just learn the fingerings. And I see them and when I teach them, it's like they're they're just whipping through the, the modes yeah. on the guitar, like really fast or whatever. And, and they're like, I don't know how to use this. And they don't, they couldn't describe how each of the modes sound. Yeah. And they have no no sense of like what characteristics that each of those modes have. And then they, 
they, they don't know how to pair them. Uh, and I find that that happens. I, I see that happening a lot with theory where people will just sort of learn like the, just be able to read what's off the paper, but not make a deeper association with, uh, with the, the sound and the feeling and you know, yeah. like and, where and, it puts them. You and, know? you know, for me, what made a lot of sense with modes was to arrange them in order of brightness to darkness, you know, so, uh-huh. you know, Lydian, down to Locrian and then you know also just using like a a drone so that way if you hear that you know that raise forth like immediately it's just Lydian you know because like you know if you again if you just you know like that's again like whatever that like if that's a dreamy sound or something like that you know that's Lydian and that's what I mean it's like you have now an association of like oh there's you know like a feeling like oh it's dreamy you know not like Marsha thought Davy Jones was dreamy, but like, you know, like some of the flying or something like, you know, open or, or innocence, you know, whereas, um, again, like then, um, yeah, you know, that, that, like I said, that can, uh, that can be super, that, that helped me a lot. Yeah, and they know? don't have to be other people's associations. So no. the thing that's important is people develop their own associations with it so they have something to relate yeah. it to when they're Because when they're someone composing. might hear, you know, like go back to you, might, might hear green or something. Like you can't, I don't think, you know. Uh, yeah, totally. I've heard, I don't think you can scientific, empirically say, you know, like G is purple or something like that, you know. But if right. it's to you, you know. And, and yeah, you know, like... Um, and again, like the thing is, it comes back to something um, the French uh, teacher Nadia Boulanger used to talk about. If you want to develop a skill, the price to pay is attention. And so really what we're doing is we're paying more attention. You know, like, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, just sitting there again, just like kind of meditating on just this one, even one note. You know, what does that note feel like? You know, what is like, what is it? make me think of is there a taste in my you know the more you heighten your awareness the more attention you're putting on into something which is going to increase your skill because you're now starting to get immersed into it and you know and one Mm -hmm. common theme too i'm sure from very beginning is trying to minimize mindless practice you know so it's not just oh i've got my tv on hey what's going on you know what's up you know um and and so uh yeah you know that's that's like i said that's a um and again this is where i think you know doing i would say if anyone's a you know aspiring composer listening to this you know good writers read a lot develop your your reading skills and also transcribing you know is super helpful Mm -hmm. because again it just kind of keeps you know you you are what you eat as they say keep on training your ears you know and so when um you finished conservatory. I imagine by this time you were already composing. You were doing some side gigs, yeah, right? was, so you're composing through this whole time. Were you uh, doing shows outside of conservatory where your mu- music was being played, or were you licensing music, or um, what was what was the process like? What, what happened when you finished conservatory, and what was all the transitions like? Was it well? Um, I sort of had again two kind of conservatory lives. You know, like there was one down here in Australia. And I used to run a, um, a, a classical music night at a venue down here, where it was kind of like a nightclub um, setting. And I used to put on my music about one. Like it was an interesting thing, actually. I found when I was the curator, I had more people ask me for my compositions than I could ever write. 
you know, because I would like arrange a concert for somebody and someone would be like, hey, do you have something I can play of yours? You know, and I was like, oh, I can't write it in time, you know. Um, but yeah, I used to about once a month um, have, you know, one of my, a performer come and play my one of my pieces, but it wasn't like the whole, it was, a, it was a part of a bigger concert. And then when I was in New York, I was more like, I was at that time too, I, I was also an aspiring, you know, film composer. So I was doing, working more like, I wasn't having my pieces performed, but I was working more like in my own, I guess, room, you know, like I was work, be working on films. And also at that time I started teaching, you know, composing as well. Um, so those were my uh, two primary uh, ways of and this is when you made. finished Juilliard. This is when you kind of entered into. I, I, more I like did it well, even well, simultaneously. I did simultaneously. Mm. You know, because because uh, mm-hmm. I had to make money. You know, like I had to, uh, and so I used to teach um, over on Fifty Fourth and Seventh. You know, just right across from the Carnegie Deli. Uh, that's where my oh, city. Yeah. yeah. That's where my studio was. I would sublet. You make the money, then you spend your money at the Carnegie Deli, and I never, I never ate there. <laughs> I never liked it. You never ate at the Carnegie Deli? Well, once. I did once. It was too much. <laughs> it was, ah. wasn't my jam, you know? <laughs> oh, really? It's really good. I mean, you could, it's like a thing that you could maybe do once a year, but it's like, it, oh, it it's, is pretty it's good. Cool yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, I enjoyed it. Yeah, but like I said, once. I wouldn't like, no, it was the halal stands that got, <laughs> that got me. You oh, know? they got you. Yeah, yeah. It was like six bucks, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. at the time. Um <laughs> And, but you, you know, in New York City was wonderful though, because like one of the things that was so wonderful about it is um, the cross genreness, you know, like because working on some commercial projects, you know, I got to work with amazing musicians who, you, you know, you know, you get to know them in a professional capacity, you know, I mean, it was really great, you know, like we would, and I got to, and also, you know, another thing has been interesting is like having different roles. You know, you get to see where people are really successful. Like, if you're a producer, you get to see where sometimes musicians shoot themselves in the foot. Like, like I've had people right. come show up and be like, hey, man, I'm sorry, I haven't had a chance to look at the charts at all. <laughs> you know? And it's like the first thing they say. You know? And it's like, oh, why, right. would, you, why would you even say that to me? You know? Like, what do you, you right. know, why would yeah. you do that? Yeah, you're not setting off on a good foot. No, yeah, yeah. you know? It's just like, just give it to yourself, would you? You know? Like, like yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, and each one, um, like I said, was a different eye-opening experience. A guy named Philip Rothman has been a real big, important person in in my uh, career because you know he got me my first big break. I think in film, you know, uh, uh, one of the faculty members at NYU was supposed to be an orchestrator, and you know, on a film uh, called Our Kind of Trader, and he was retiring, and. You know, I've been working towards, you know, working in film for a long time. And film has a catch-22 of, like, you know, if you don't have credits, they don't want to know you, you know. But, like, major credits, you know, they don't want to know you. But then it's like, how do you get credits if no one gives you a shot? You know, that's the catch-22. And I got the opportunity. And what, you know, was great is when I got recommended, you know, there was only three weeks from start to finish. And so... They really weren't in the mood to like sort through CVs or anything like that. It was just, hey, yeah, it was go time. Just yeah. go time, exactly. You know, and um, you know, this was this is when I worked with uh, Mark uh, Rib- Ribbit. I think is how you say his name, like last name, the guitar player. 
Uh, oh, Ribot? Yeah, Ribot. Right. Yeah, he was, he was a guitar mm-hmm. player on that. And, um, yeah, they were, you know, they were, they were happy with what I did. And, you know, so that was another, like, um, big uh, turning point for me. You know, because then it's like, you know, that yeah. was the first time, you know, first major credit, like IMDB, you know, and then then they came back to me and, you know, kind of, and, and, you know, that's the other thing is like, I'm telling you, it just takes, t- it takes a long time. You know, I kind of underestimated going into it, like how long it takes, but I've been really fortunate, you know, that there has been a, a transformation to my career of like, you know, the first five, 10 years of like, I was hustling, you know, putting up ads and, you know, just, just get your foot in the door. And the last like eight or nine years, I've just been really lucky that, you know, people keep, that I've worked with before come back, you know, and it's kind of been mm-hmm. sustained, you know, like, a, and, um, uh, or word of mouth, you know, like people that have worked, you know, they pass, they kind enough to pass on my, my details to other people, you know, and so it's been, um, it, it, so it has been a, ch- a change in that sense, you know, which has been which has been great because I'm I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's kind of the, the reality of the business, right? It's like uh, it, it's 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 a lot of networking and just sitting around and waiting because if your name starts getting passed around and people know you, that's generally how you get your biggest ins, right? And you wait for those moments to happen and. Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, the the networking thing, though, too, is also, I would say, um, networking's a funny one, you know, because it can be, uh, you know, like, especially in L.A., you know, it's like you, if you get drunk, you're going to wake up with, like, 20 composer business cards in your pocket, you know, (laughs) like, you know, because, and I would say, though, you know, like, um, to people, you know, too, it's like, it, like I said, if you, I don't know, I think one of the worst things is like the overly aggressive people that are just there for themselves, you know, where it's just right. like you go there and you're like, blah, 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 you know, and you don't make a genuine connection, you know, like a lot of times that can be a, just a real waste of time. But look, you know, um, yeah, like you have to be invested, like you have to become a part of the scene and be a part of the, well, like, like you want to be there, not just also like be interested in other people, you know. Right. Like, you know, if you actually, like, if you're actually, in, like, it's, there is kind of that reciprocation, you know, um, and yeah, you know, and again, it kind of, it, it takes, uh, it takes time, but, you know, um, yeah, you know, you, you just gotta, you know, it, it, but, what, but, you know, there's, there's, there, uh no other way to open up doors really i mean really your network is mm-hmm. a super important thing you know how long from when you got out or you left conservatory to when you got your first shot in film where that happened with that um it's been about, about four or five four years oh now gosh it's hard to um was it three years something like three or four years um before mm-hmm. i got like that that like big gig in that that was also like um because it must have been 2000 oh boy 12 13 that i that i worked mm-hmm. on that film um so let's say three years three years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Right, which is it's, that's a that's a, a a big chunk of investment, right? And I think that people don't realize is they get out of school and you think, okay, well, I could just step in and work, but it is you, then it's just time to start planting seeds, right? Well, you know, like again, I was I was already teaching and we're you know doing a lot of freelancing, you know, um, before I left school, you know, and through the whole time. Mm-hmm. So that was always uh, um, going on and. Yeah, yeah. Take it, it, it. You know, it was. I mean, you have to be crazy to be a try and be a professional musician. You know, like I mean, I. It really is true. Like you have to be someone that won't take any other kind of like. Really, if you could do anything else with your life, go do it. You know, um, it. It's it, hard. It, yeah, it's just constantly it, it's, it, always having to rebuild yourself. Like, you know, all the I time. Mean, I. I've always, because we would, like when I was in conservatory, we would get these, like, you know, people at the end of their career, you know, or end of their lives who would come in and just give the darkest speech, you know, to us about, <laughs> you know, like how, you know, it was just like so, like, and I was always like, I don't want to be that, you know, 70 year old jaded, you know, musician. And um, I will say that from my experience, it's been the pen the pendulum has just swung wider than i ever thought the highs have been higher than i ever hoped for you know and the lows were really low you know that's and that sucked but um i am really again fortunate to say though that uh you know i if almost every bucket list item you know i ever kind of wanted you know at least has has happened once you know I mean, and there is, you know, something like, I mean, it was gratifying to have my piece perform at Carnegie Hall, you know, to have, you know, like my parents come and watch or to have my work at, you know, um, different venues, Lincoln Center or, you know, like the movie I was telling you about, you know, was recorded at Abbey Road Studio, you know, those kind of things, you know, like, wow, you know, London Symphony is recording this at Abbey Road, you know, and. Did yeah. you go there for the session? Oh, no. No, I wouldn't. It would probably wouldn't even open the do- door for me. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, you know, they just won't send the charts, you know, but, <laughs> and, um, but still it happened, you know, like I know it did happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of those first, like, just like sitting in the, um, uh, I, I can't remember the name. It was like AMC, you know, the one that's right across from Lincoln Center, you know, the movie theater there. Oh, and, yeah just watching, you know, the opening credits where it's like, I worked on that queue, you know, like there in right, like, you know, right. the big screen, you know, and so that was like those, those kind of um, milestone moments, you know, and then, then of course, you know, what you've always got to um, then figure out the next one, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, like, um, uh, that's, yeah, so it's, 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 I mean, what do you think, like, because it, it was a really important statement that you made just before about not wanting to be that 70-year-old musician who's jaded. So yeah, what we'll do you see. feel like you, you've you done to, like, try to prevent that? Drugs. <laughs> Drugs. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, no. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I think, honestly, like, I'm, is I've had enough of those like bucket list items, you know, like that have at least, you know, stopped the existential. Cause like my family's not, you know, would always be like, what is it you do? 
really? You know, like, <laughs> like I had that. Um, but things like, um, yeah, you know, I've, the, the accomplishment didn't, did really actually mean a lot, you know, and like, it's one of those things where, um, you look, you know, you got to like, you got to, I guess that's one thing is like, you got to create your own narrative, you know, in the end, you know, like look back and like, um, you know, cause it can be terribly isolating, you know, if like, especially when I would work like, um, I guess the unsexy side is that, you know, that, you know, I worked as well, like I worked at Macy's and I worked as a waiter, you know, and you, you try and find common ground with, you know, like, uh, you know, it was always hard. Like, I'd be like, oh, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm an aspiring musician. And I was, you know, the guy would be like, oh, yeah, I play guitar on the weekend, too, you know? And I'd be like, no. Right, 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 totally. I'd be like, God damn it. No, like, that's not me. That can't be me, you know? Like, right, you know, right. and he was like, yeah, I remember when I started here 15 years ago, you know? I was like, whoa, no, I'm not going to be selling suits in, like, 15 years, like, doing that, right? <laughs> um, and, um but yeah, you know, you, so you focus, you know, hopefully it's just like, I guess, dying, you know, you kind of try and remember the good, you know, and, 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 uh, um, but, but it's, uh, and it seems like you've been able to allow yourself to enjoy the good, which I think is in, important to, uh, mention because I feel like one of the problems with our American society, um, I'm not sure if this is the case in, in Europe or the UK or in Australia where you are now, but a lot of the American society is, it's, uh, I guess, a byproduct of capitalism is it's, it's never enough, right? So mm. your, your current success is just a stepping stone to your next success. Or if you did it, you have to recreate again, or then mm. it's not meaningful anymore, right? And so it feels like everybody that's written a hit song is, is living in that limelight or, or trying, not everybody, actually, I know some people that have been in there that have been able to really be calm and cool about it afterwards. But what happens to a lot of people, though, is they get they get caught on that, um, you know, that hamster wheel, right? Yeah, of um, of sure. not enjoying the moment much and get right back on it. Um, how, what, what was it? Was it your upbringing or just what about your personality you think allowed you to just look at those moments and be like, you know what, this is a bucket list item and I feel really good about this and, and this is good. This is good enough. Cause it was, it's amazing. You know, like, yeah. How, yeah. Is that something you thought about at all? Or that was just in you that you were able no, to. No, um, I thought about it. You know, I guess I've always kind of been aware of that trap because it kind of sounds like a sports star, you know, like it's kind of hard to move on from your glory day. You know, like I was, mm -hmm. you know, when I was 17 and I, you know, won the state championship, you know, like you could get stuck in that moment, you know. And uh, um, but, you know, one thing, though, that has been interesting is is the difference between what I thought I would want and versus like sometimes, you know, like in hindsight, getting a, like a no has been more beneficial than if I actually got what I wanted. You know, specifically what I mean by that is, you know, 15 years ago, I was really trying to be a film composer. You know, I really wanted to write music for films. And the more I, and I'm really glad I ended up being an orchestrator. You know, I didn't, like, I didn't think, I kind of, because my studies at conservatory, I, you know, I, I guess I always gravitated towards orchestration. And my orchestration teachers, I always kind of, you know, uh, gave me extra help or not, you know, cause they were, they thought I had something, you know, they were like, you get it, you know, like, and, uh, and I started helping out other composers with their orchestration, 
you know, but I never thought I would be like an orchestrator, you know? I mean, I just wanted to be a film composer who had like the orchestration chops, you know? And Mm -hmm. the more I got into it though, um, I realized that, you know, being a, it's almost like uh, anything, if you sometimes like, um, there's also demands that, you know, like if you, to give an analogy, um, well, before I give an analogy, I would say like, you know, film composer, you have to be a people person. You have to deal with non-musicians a lot. You have to be good with the directors. You have to be through the studio. You have to always be like talking to people, you know, and I have more of a leave me alone. You know, I'm working, I'm not going to email you kind of vibe, which works really well as an orchestrator, you know? Um, And so that's where I found out, oh, okay, you know, maybe I don't get the glory, but I also don't have the personal sacrifice as well. And there is something to be said, though, for, you know, because like you said, like you can, the psychology side is like you can train yourself to fail, you know, as a classical musician, because if it's like your goal is to be a soloist, you know, for, you know, there's only going to be like 10 people who are like solo violinists, you know, like that go around playing concertos, you know. So then if that's your dream and then you end up like in the orchestra, you know, even though you're super good to be in the orchestra, you can feel like a failure because you're not the one playing. Yeah, even though that you're at the top of your field, right. you could still Right, you're still in the 0.1%, right. like, but there's still someone better, you know. There's, and, mm-hmm. and I'll also tell you too, like every... You know, one of my mentors was a, you know, the concert master, for, you know, for an orchestra. And he was also always afraid because he's like, man, there's always an 18 year old around the corner. You know, like he was always paranoid of like, because there's always, you know, it's always someone coming for you. And mm-hmm. and then you, you know, you can kind of go down the chain of like, um, well, so if you from orchestra players, you might get hired to do a wedding. And like, that's like that's like slumming it, right? <laughs> you know, like now you're like, why am I playing weddings? You know, even though you've been really highly trained, you know? And so it's then it's like, well, yeah. why can't you just be a highly trained musician wherever you are? You know, I mean, and then just, you bring that to, you know, a wedding or, you know, whatever the, again, the setting is, you know, and, and you'll find too, a lot of orchestras are, they're like dysfunctional families, you know, like not all orchestra players are, super happy to be there you know like they they right you know it's just you, you, if you know so you've sat next to someone for 20 years you know, like you're gonna have some like you know you're gonna have some, yeah, stuff, some yeah. beef you know and i will say that as much as everybody talks about rock and roll or rock musicians uh, having a um a tendency to uh to party i will say that sometimes some of the classical musicians can um can can drink the uh, the the rock musicians sure. under the table. There's a there's a surprising scene there. You know, and beta blockers. You know, like uh-huh. the, the like half the orchestra is high. You know, on beta blockers. Right. You know, um, my professor used to always tell me to go on. I never did. You know, I never tried them. Um, but yeah, classical musicians thrive off of beta blockers. Um, and you know, but I also noticed that with myself. You know, like I to answer your, a little bit more, like the question of like. I noticed that, like, you know, I would excel, like, say, at high school, and then I would go up to the next level of university, and then it was like, you know, big fish going to small pond, you know? And so then it was like, okay, work, 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 you know, to get to that. And then I went from undergrad to, you know, master's degree, and then it was the same thing. It was like, now, again, like, you just kind of keep on feeling like chasing the carrot, you know, because now it's like, oh, 
I started to excel, you know, and like was feeling confident, but then I got put into another group where everyone else is really, you know, good. And then it was like on to here, here, you know, and then, and so it was always kind of this thing of like going back to the beginning, no matter how further I got, I always was feeling mm -hmm. like I'm not, you know, good enough. And like I said, finally, it was good to just meet like someone like Victoria or Noam. Where it's like, man, I'll never catch them, you know, like, that's just my lot in life, you know, like, and that's just it, like, and it was kind of good to just get that, I suppose, you know, um, and that's okay, you know, that's okay, that's cool, you know, like, you do it, and, you know, there's something else, like, um, I don't know, it's, it's like, you don't have to, like, be afraid to acknowledge that someone else is good at something that you you are also good at you know and want to do you know and and I absolutely and i think we we don't need to look at it as if there's only one meaning of being the best it, it that there's only one different definition of it or being good at something there's many different ways that that yeah that looks yeah it's tough you know it's it's it. it's a funny one because you know the other thing is when you're emerging like you know this idea of emerging back when i was is the, the way you kind of get from, you know, kind of just being a student, you know, into getting gigs, that was by competitions, you know, you submit yourself to competition, you know, so like the competitions is a thing. It's a real thing, you know, um, in the classical music world. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, I have, um, so I, I won, a f you know, qu quite a few, lost a lot more competitions but you know i used to get like and that was again like my ego you know i would get these letters like hey out of 300 people you know you got second or you got one you know and you know um uh, yeah like uh in 2010 i was selected as like an emerging composer of australia you know and like they gave me an orchestra you know so I was kind of like if you asked me like philosophically i would have been like yeah it's art you know and <laughs> used to say at the same time you're in the competitions you know and it's like i gotta win i gotta beat you you know right, right, it's like right. you know that's the that's the, the the hypocrisy you know and thankfully though now i can be like more submerging you know than emerging you know because like uh um because the other thing too is like you know like in the classical music world your cv you know becomes you know again it's it's a little silly but like your cv becomes super important you know because because if, if you're trying to make a living and you want to like apply to like an educational facility you know then they're going to just look at what what have you done you know they just want it like it's more you know kind of uh but that's the name game yeah you know i mean no one yeah like, and uh, i've seen that happen so much in in my background world which is that the new york session musician or touring scene where it's uh it's just people will look at that sometimes before they'll really listen to you play you know and it's just like well so and so worked on well you know, i mean toured with so and so it, oh, it makes sense know. though i mean like you know like if i i don't know wanted to hire will lee for bass i'm sure his agent would send me a cv that's like this thick of things you know you know Willie, right? Like you know, he used to be the David Letterman bass player. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure he would send yeah. me mm -hmm. send me a CV like this long, you know, of things that he's played on, and he's good. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a safe bet, right? Like I'm sure he can play whatever I wanted to play. 
Um, but, you know, I do, again, like, to give you a light of, I guess, positivity, um, if I, as I remember, um, the, the person who, someone replaced him, um, his name was, I used to was Mike, you know, he was just this, like, you know, I don't know, it's just that he had an enthusiasm about him, you know, and was always happy to play bass on whatever thing I wanted, and then he became, like, a YouTube star, and then he became the bass player in Stephen Colbert's band, you know, but mm. the thing is, like, when I knew him, he was just Mike, you know, and, like, there was just an enthusiasm about him, you know, like I was saying about some people sh showed up and shot themselves, like, it didn't matter, like, I mean, I what I hired him for, you know, he was always just, like, hey, this is great, you know, like, I mean, he was just, again, just had this, like, energy, you know, and... Yeah, yeah. And, 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 like, and, and you it. could see the trajectory, you know, like in hindsight, I could see the trajectory, mm -hmm. you know, and again, um, so, so there is, and there is something to, uh, um, uh, I don't know, keep at it, you know, I guess keep, you know, I guess that's mm -hmm. another thing is like, you know, just the, um, things pay off for not quitting, you know, cause the, I would say to anyone, yeah. you know, just from aside from like making a living and all that stuff, just the increase of skill is super fun, you know, because it's hardest in the beginning, you know, like I, I kind of have an ego, kind of. Actually, let's just cut out kind of, Mark. <laughs> I have an ego. <laughs> and, you know, people will say to me, like, you're good. And I'm like, yeah, I am good, you know, but it's because I've been doing this for over 35 years, you know, and so. I know that, you know, like, again, like, there's a certain structure, like a level, you know, like, even on a bad day, you know, I can do X, Y, Z, which, yeah. you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would have really aspired to do, you know, and especially mm -hmm. 20 years ago, just like, I'm, you know, you could be super drunk and still play Stairway to Heaven. I just know you could. You know, it's just like it wears like I remember I'd have to learn it first, but I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you could, but you could learn it in like a half an hour, yeah. I bet, you know. Yeah. Totally. Like, you yeah, know, totally. or just yeah. the, the you yeah. could just hear the opening and be like, all right. You know, you, you could show it once. And I mean, if you think about when you're first learning, though, it's like, you know, bar chord. Oh, it's taking forever because like, you have no associations to anything. Like I, you know, if I was if I was first learning it, I mean, I would have had to practice it so much to even just do it sober you know what i mean yeah now it, yeah you know it could could no, it hurt like you don't have the calluses and see how many i could play yeah 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 absolutely. oh yeah and, and even remembering it i remember one time like it was they were just frets i remembered it on i had no associations i didn't understand what notes i was playing i didn't really even think totally. about the rhythms there were so many things i didn't have anything to anchor what i was learning to they were just like these random spots on the guitar neck so right. of course now everything i know and um, I've noticed that too with everything I've, I've learned, everything I've learned from you. Uh, every time I learn something, every time I go back to do something that I used to do, it gets easier each time because I have more, uh, I've collected more ways to, I think, like um, uh, attach myself to that piece of music, more ways to look at it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, and, and that, that takes time, you know, it, it builds. Yeah. You know, it builds on yeah. it, you know, and so there you know it's that um so yeah you know again there's there's something to be said for not giving up you know and uh keeping mm -hmm. keeping going at it so you decided that you weren't really that much into scoring as much as you were in the orchestration obviously for some of the the 
reasons, which is the political side of it, which I, I know is such, it, people underestimate how much communication mm. happens when you're in a film. And a it's like you ton, end up spending as much or more time, like sending more. emails yeah. and communicating back and forth than you are actually composing. Right. You know? and, yeah. And so I could, I, I, I hear you. I mean, it's, it, it that's, um, that, that is, is it, it that's a people, there's a, there's a major people skill that needs to happen there. So you realize that maybe the orchestrating is your thing. And so throughout this whole time, as you're going through that phase, you, you were still teaching and, um, and transcribing. Mm -hmm. You were transcribing professionally too, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh -huh. I, I, um, so the transcribing thing uh, is, I, you know, I didn't know how to do it really. And uh, someone just told me, you know, an old instructor told me, just put up signs, you know, saying you'll do it because, you know, like if you, if you have like someone paying you 200 bucks or 300 bucks, you'll find the motivation to get it done. And he was right. Like it was, again, not the easiest way to go about it. <laughs> no, but trial by fire, right? Yeah, it's like... because, you know, the amount of time it took me for the first couple of jobs, you know, versus how much I got paid was ridiculous. But, mm -hmm. um, uh, but again, I kept with it, you know, and like I've, you know, had to do stuff where I've had to sit next to someone on the piano and transcribe with them, you know, while they play oh, things. Oh, wow. You know, that's challenging. Yeah, that no, I was super sweating, you know, I mean, uh, I bet, yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, that was, that was really tough, but, but we did it, you know, and, um, uh, Sorry, what did you ask? You, I forgot what you, you, you what you asked. Well, about. I was like, asking about like so you were you got into trans uh, transcribing and and you were obviously doing multiple things at one time, yeah, right? So the film scoring, you got right. orchestration, more teaching and transcribing, and and um, basically just kind of trying to figure out like. Um, you know, as as we move through our careers, like the music business is so vast, we start kind of whittling things down and figuring out which. Um, well, I think in today's world, a lot of us have a couple of different ways that we make money, you know, yeah, teaching you have and to. doing gigs. And um, so um, uh, after trying to kind of understand your timeline of, of uh, when you were in a transcribing, like, like how you were, you were kind of figuring out what to settle on and continue doing. And well, um, I mean, it was never clean, you know, it was always kind of messy, like as far as like, you know, like, I mean, if I got a film. I would write to my clients, you know, for transcribing and say, this is what's happened. You know, can I, I'm not gonna be able to get to it in three weeks. You know, I have to put this on hold for, you know, whatever reason. And usually people were pretty cool about it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was, it's never been, I mean, it's always been that one foot in front of the train, you know, as far as figuring out how this is gonna work with this and, you know, and, uh, um, but but the thing I guess that also happens is it somewhat gets defined for you, you know, because like again, like some if people, only reason people would think of me as a transcriber is again like I would get repeat clients, you know, like people would send me, you know, um, I would get offers, you know, and so mm -hmm. it's also given to you, you know, and same with the orchestration, you know, like I mean I would once they were happy with it you know then they were like let's keep you know keep working with you you know and so then and then that's where it slowly you kind of build a bit more credibility i guess because then it's like you know you're like we were just talking about you know your portfolio gets a little bigger you know it's like they've worked with me on i've, I've worked on 
you know, say five films that are studio films and there's less risk, you know, da da da, or they, et cetera, you know, and, and it, and it ebbs and flows, you know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's been, uh, but yeah, you know, I've always had to have multiple kind of things on, you know, um, and mm-hmm. the, and in a way, it's also a healthy thing that it's not always, in, you know, it's intense as some, you know, you have moments of intensity and, it, and I'm really glad that it's not always that intense, you know, because I think it would go insane. And, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. Like I know recently, like, um, and, and this is a, a note for people getting into this line of work too, is that sometimes when you're given opportunities, like they're, you're not, it, it's not as smooth and and uh, you don't have as much lead time as one might imagine it's not as luxurious right so sometimes no. like you just did an orchestration recently right for a uh, um a film um where you worked with the, the the composer and you had to write the orchestrations and like wasn't it like a week or something you had to do before they hit something the sound like stage that. yeah yeah I've, I've been called in last minute on a lot of things you know and um and, and and even with the transcribing, sometimes I would get ridiculous demands. You know, people give me like two songs, but I can't get it tomorrow. You know, and you know, and uh, um, and you know, like that. That's uh, sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. You know, like if you can't, you got to just be upfront about it. Because I guess what I'm trying to say is, especially, you know, not everyone's gonna be a great client either. You know, I mean, I've had a few. You right. know. Um, mm-hmm. I won't go into it, you know, but, um, but that's also where the experience is, you know, cause like, uh, it's, I think the common thing in the beginning <clears throat> is you will get a job where if you do the out, like how many hours you worked, you know, versus your pay, you know, you're going to seriously get depressed because, you know, you could work at Don- Dunkin' Donuts and like double your income, you know? And, right. And it's yeah, just like, you're not joking. Yeah, you know, I'm not. No, I'm really that, yeah. not. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it sounds like I am, but I'm really serious here about it, you know? And and that's where, you know, like again, like, you know, the, the further you go, you know, and, and that's another psychological thing of like, you know, being confident enough to ask or to tell people, you know, what you need you know, for as far mm-hmm. as money. Cause you know, it can be a thing like, oh, you know, I don't know, do you 500 bucks, you know, or something like that. And I mean, I remember the first time, you know, I asked for, had to ask for like a five figure. I stayed up like all night, you know, I'm like, I should charge 15,000 for this, but I'll go to 12 just to be safe. Mm-hmm. And, and I practiced on it. I'm not going below 12, I'm not going below 12. And I met with, you know, the client and he's, you know, he's like, how much do you need to do this? And I don't know why. Ten thousand dollars. Oh no! <laughs> you know, and and I was just so nervous, you know. And he's just like, oh. And they were like, sure, great, great. Here's exactly. Here. He wrote the check on the spot, you know. And it was right. just like, you yeah. know, all right, here you go. And I was like, oh damn, <laughs> I should ask for fifteen, you know. And, yeah, totally. You know, uh, or twenty. I know. You know, I've, I've been in that position. And, yep. And I mean, it just, it just takes a while to get the the moxie you know to do that and 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 look sometimes too like um you know one thing that i changed um about 12 years ago is i was really into like the sample libraries and buying a lot of computer equipment to do mock-ups you know and that was something like it just got too expensive you know 
I was mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and not only too expensive, I just didn't enjoy it. You know, like I was getting. Yeah, it was it's so, kind of a creativity sucker. It can be. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there was like this need, you know, this like frenzy of like, you got to be able to do big mock up, great mock ups. You know, that's what's going to get you works. And I was like, man, you know, people are spending like 20, 30,000 a year on like acquiring new software and upgrade, you know, because it's, it's like one thing leads to another, you know. And it's like, yeah, totally. you know, so I was like, well, forget this, you know, and then everyone was like, no, you're not going to work. You know, you're not going to get work like that. But, but it was then it, strangely, it became a little bit easier to define what I could do, you know, because it was like, no, I don't ah. do this. And also that also helped me with like my networking because it was like, I found like, Hey, I need someone else to do this. You know, like if you want to hire me and you want that, you know, then we got to pay this person. And that person, and it helped with like the the pricing too, you know, because then it was like the more uh-huh. I had a team of like, hey, I got to pay the engineer, you know, I got to pay this person, this person's got to get paid. Where you know it's a struggle with if you're just a solo person at a computer, people can think you can just edit it all day long, you know, and it's like you got to get the mindset of like, no, yeah, my studio is a fee, you know, like you know, there's thirty five dollars yeah. or fifty dollars an hour for my studio. Then there's my time, you know, like an actual business would, you know, and mm-hmm. um, but it again, like I, I I knew if it was just me, I would sell myself out. You know, so that was also helpful to like instead of get a team because I'd be like, you know, there's it's like it's like making your final stand at the edge of the cliff. You know, there's nowhere to uh-huh. there's nowhere to run. You know, and uh, and that was yeah. And it's funny how the psychology works on that. People somehow think, oh, well, you have a team, you have to pay the team, and they see you doing it, which is a, a ton of work to do on your own. Somehow they're like, well, you're just doing it all. Why should I pay you this much money? It's like yeah. it's a strange. Um, thing that happens in, in business sometimes right well you know and i also have to say like i found that the the better finance projects the better it was all the way around you know the worst projects uh-huh. i now would never do again is like the the solo filmmaker you know who's got like a passion project for you know peanuts basically they're gonna grind you you know whereas uh-huh. like i said like if it's like you know everyone's like working for you uni- and like everyone's, no one's gonna take that you know it's like you can like those, but again, that's like uh, that's tough, you know, because like like nothing's worse than like those passion projects that like scope creep, you know. It's like it's gonna go longer than uh-huh. they want, you know. I mean, it's great to like the nice thing about working in like proper films is everyone's got a deadline, and you know. Like, oh yeah, those are forceful. Yeah. That's it. Oh, it's there. It's, it's there. Like, it's booked. Yeah. You know, like we've booked the studio, yeah. we've booked the musicians. It's not moving. Snort yeah. cocaine, stay up all night. You know, get it done, and rather do that than like, uh, you know, again like, oh, I've decided to re-edit the whole, th- you know, whatever, totally. and it never made yeah, sense yeah, in totally. the beginning. You know, it was a, sh- you know, like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, get this. You don't know what you're doing, and then the, you know, like, they'll make totally. their craziest demands. You know, too. Yeah. Um, How about can you can you touch a little bit on? Uh, it, it just seems to me like you're a person that's always learning. So uh, despite like, well, not despite, but a, a lot of people, I think sometimes look at like, okay, well, you finish, um, you know, conservatory or whatever. And then, then, okay, you just go on with your life. Right. And, and you're, you're kind of done. I'm almost like, well, I'm not my certification. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go out in the world. But it seems to me like, uh, and uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but you seem to be a person that always is looking to see something from different angles. And well, I'm still deeper. I'm still interested, 
you know, I mean, like, I mean, I, like my actual passion and curiosity for music is as strong as it's ever been, you know, like, I mean, um, that hasn't dwindled, you know, and, and I mean, so it's, so it's like, um, it's, it's not really effort, you know, like, I mean, I kind of like to, um, you know, I mean, there's so many again sources now too. You know, like with like, you know, you could just go to, you can get almost any textbook digitally downloaded. You know, and or mm-hmm. you know, off the or YouTube videos or anything like that. Um, so no, I mean, I I I I think curiosity is a really healthy thing, and um, I'm still I don't know, I'm still fascinated by music, and I still feel like uh, you know, I still have. Um, even if I'm not always clear on the exact what, but like the actual urge to create, you know, is still there, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. like, you know, like, uh, you know, I'll just write for, so I, it brings me joy still is, is basically the, mm-hmm. the end result. It, the, the, um, and I think that is one of the blessings of music, you know, is we're going to get old, but you know, I don't think I'll ever get bored. You know, it's something like mm-hmm. it's a, uh, um, I don't know. It's my scramble, scrabble, or solitaire, or something like that. You know, I like. There's mm-hmm. still, I still. Uh, um, and and but I will say it's it's interesting though. Like, there are moments where it's again where it's like kind of lowercase composing and like capital letters composing. You know, like meaning like I, I guess I've always romanticized that like you know going away like a cabin and just like you know like solitude where you're focusing on like your whole life is just one thing you know but I've also learned that you can only do that for so amount of time you know like again like it doesn't uh-huh. always you know and that's what I mean by lowercase because like if you just do that you'll never write you know like it's sometimes it's just write four bars a day or you know, write a, whatever, you know, a minute a day. And that can be super rewarding because um, that can be sources of inspiration for later when you are kind of capital letter, you know, composing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I think, and um, I think, you know, the thing that again, like has been amazing is like when you really have to do something like that, that going, I don't know, a, a bit beyond like what you thought you could ever do, you know, like really, you know, cause like I've, I've written a sim like the first symphony I ever wrote, you know, it was like, oh, I can, you know, wow. It actually could do it. You right, know, like excitement of, of yeah, having it. Happen, I, can, I actually did it. Exactly. Like, I did that. I, I did it, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and same with like, you know, some of the things like, uh, um, my transcriptions, you know, it's like, man, I can't believe I transcribed all of that you know like it's quite yeah. gratifying yeah. you know but it's like i but again there was a um an intensity you know and that's one thing though that i i will say i do struggle with is i wonder why i can't be that intense when there's not a deadline and someone paying me you know but it is a thing <laughs> you know because i think like oh why can't i just do that on my own i don't know but yeah. you know whatever it is um but you know that there is again something about um and you know and also i think there's you know because like right now as we're talking you're like i'm just looking at like sheet music and there's something again just it's almost like seeing your guitars you know like you like on your shelf versus putting it in the case mm-hmm. you know it's like you right. see it you're kind of like i don't know it just kind of gets you like oh don't you want to grab that guitar and just kind of get 
right you right. know start playing just for for its own joy you know and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i guess again i i mean as much as i can i still have that romantic notion of like zen of like just you and your music and just connecting with it and immersion you know it's like how much you know which is like a flow state you know how much can you enter mm-hmm. into a flow state with you know um because i think that can be a really healthy and joyous you know um way to spend your day you know i mean and mm-hmm. and you know what else has been strange this is truly a sign of me getting old is i've now am starting to see the value of taking walks you know like when i'm compo- like after i'm compo- like like if you hit like uh-huh. a mental wall you know and it's like oh I, you know i'm kind of tired you know and i go for a walk and it's just like there's something it's almost like the feeling of like after jogging or something it's like man i've written spent three hours today writing music and i'm kind of in that mindset you know now i'm going for a walk and and again it's just interesting like how i i don't know the different way i observe the world you know it's like you might just look at a tree Mm -hmm. a little bit more or or an idea will just come to you you know and then you come back and it's like and again it's that sense of uh i guess curiosity or discovery you know i mean when it's when it's Mm -hmm. going well that's you know that's Mm -hmm. what you you know i live for it's almost like being a sometimes i think like a fisherman you know i don't fish but you know like like when it's a good day and you're catching fish you're like yeah you know and of course we do have other days too where man it is just you know i mean i've had products where it's just hard slogging (laughs) yeah right and that's right and sometimes that's where you have to really lean on the craft a lot to make sure that you can get through that because you have to deliver something yeah you can't just be like i don't i'm not feeling it today like it's you have to like okay i still have to give them something tomorrow at 5 p.m that's the different levels like you know and that's where i think the practicality of the film composing was really good you know it was like always have something Mm -hmm. to show even if you think it's the worst piece of music and sometimes i have and people like through conversations have noticed something potential in it that I didn't, you know, like there have been pieces where, you know, like, people go, oh, I like that one little thing, you know, or da, da, da. And then if it got, you know, and again, it's, so it's not where you begin, it's where you end up, you know, like some of the early sketches mm-hmm. really sucked, but in the end worked, you know, quite, quite well. Totally. And that's like where it's, maybe a bad idea to start judging your art too early on because sometimes there's a there's a process to get through before you start doing it like that like a really you got me into like whiteboarding ideas which i never used to do i would start composing something and be like here it is and it felt very set in stone hmm. but through working with you like really started embracing that whiteboard whiteboard idea where you start with something and you think of you know as you say you have coffee with your material get to know your material and <laughs> oh, then you start like trying to <laughs> oh totally yeah and then you start presenting it in different ways and sometimes yeah. maybe you still have the ideas or maybe it's somewhere it leads somewhere but i try not to think about it in, in, in either way except for the way i'm just going to experiment with this and see what happens right and, and and then you end up with where you end up you you end up in some really interesting places where you would have blocked that off perhaps if you too early on you started being yeah. too judgmental or harsh about it yeah and you know that's also a little bit of difference i found too with like the computer versus pencil and paper you know like um, uh-huh. the com- each one has its strength you know meaning like the the computer usually you have to make decisions of like this comes first this comes second you know whereas like my sketches are 
you know, they kind of look like madness. You know, it's like, I don't know, like, I just might be, oh, I just, you know, um, like this chord. You know, I just like that chord. And yeah, I don't know what that means, you know, like, or where it's going to go, you know, or, oh, okay, what am I going to do with that? You know, but then, like, when you get to the computer, you know, is, is it going to start that way? You know, or is it going to mm-hmm. be later? And so, um, another thing I found, too, like, I kind of like, um, cause I have serial killer handwriting is that my handwriting doesn't look finished, you know, whereas like the computer, everything looks like nicely <laughs> engraved, you know, and I've right, a little right. bit precious, you know, about like, I don't want to undo that because, you know, you I don't want to uh, scare people, but <laughs> well, you know, like, I don't want to, well, no more like that. The, 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 the computer file looks pretty, you know, and it's like, I don't want to yeah, yeah, totally editing, I mean, yeah, you know, uh-huh. like, and, uh, um, and so I, I've also, I'm, you know, everyone works differently, but I'm also a big fan of like what I call segregating my workflow, you know? And so in the beginning, it might just be uh, turning on my mic and audio recording, like an improvisation. It might just be, you know, sketching like with pencil and paper. And then, you know, then once I get enough material, you know, then like I said, go to the computer and figure out how to, you know, put it to what comes first, what comes second you know, the flow and the computer gives you a lot of great things too, you know, cause you allow, allows you to sit back like an audience member, you know, as well, and just kind of hear it, you know, and like, Oh, well, right. so, I mean, there's it's a, <clears throat> definitely not. Right. The troubleshooting could be a little faster with a computer than with, with um, because you can, you can hear it oh, outside yeah. of yourself no, a little I'm, bit. I mean, the computer is great for what it does well, you know, I mean, but the other thing though, I will say about um, what's nice about, paper is that you can see larger chunks in one look you know i think that's something that's Mm -hmm. a little bit of an abstract topic but you can see more you know the overall because it's easy to kind of go moment by moment with your piece you know and yeah then to think about like oh how is the like more of a unified you know are you going to do something like a unified arc you know and and then that's that can be super helpful too with like pencil and paper because you can just like again like without having to scroll you can just see like a helicopter view you know you're really zoomed yeah. out much more you know because you can really kind of uh you know it's almost like cliff notes or something like that if, if uh-huh. people still remember cliff notes you know yeah yeah that's true because i know that's true with computers we tend to be zoomed in so tight you can only see like eight measures or something you know like like visually whereas like again like you can put like five pieces of paper on your piano and see the whole piece you know you can see the yeah and even if you can't see exactly what the notes are sometimes it's just seeing and the rate of how busy a section is and gives you an idea of like of even in that perspective oh it gets busy at this part of the, the piece i have right now so maybe i shouldn't do this here just always being in check of like of the whole overall like um arc or or the the view of the piece right yeah yeah which which yeah it could be super super helpful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no um before we wrap it, there's um, one thing I think I always always appreciated about your. I mean, there's many things I appreciate about your your teaching style, yeah, but uh, your um, your willingness to always like listen. Um, you you always approach music with sound first, and then you dig in to the technical aspects of hmm. it. And I feel like sometimes, 
and um, I'm not passing judgment on other teachers or whatever, but there are teachers that come from the school of just being like, this is right and this is wrong. So they'll mm. even just look at something and they'll be like, well, this this doesn't work because, you know, in the 1700s, they wouldn't have done this or whatever, right. or the, you know, 1900s. Or, um, but uh, you, like, are really interesting because you understand all of that stuff. But before you apply any of that, you're going to the emotional and the creative side of it and how does it sound before you think about that because you also are very in touch with how malleable music is. Mm -hmm. And so um, I always thought that was really cool because anytime I bring a piece of music in, that's the first and foremost important thing of, of is it working? Because if it works, then that justifies whatever is there. But then you you then will pull in the the theory or the knowledge experience you have to troubleshoot what might not be working and say like, well, here's, here's how to fix, here's how to use knowledge to fix transitions or ideas that, that aren't being fully connected. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Um, well, first, thanks for the compliment, you know, and I've had teacher, you know, again, that's what I'm saying about having multiple teachers. I've had a teacher with all those styles. And I mean, again, one person, one's personality cannot be separated from their teaching style. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sam Adler was uh, a sergeant in the army. And so you get like the vibe of a sergeant in the army, you know, and that's right. what you get. Right. Um, uh, so, but I think, um, I think one thing that I have to say two things about that, that I'm, I'm quite proud of with my teaching um, is one is that my students don't sound like me. I don't even know if I have a sound, but you know, I, I mean, I should also, I should also um, promote my students. I've been really fortunate to work, you know, most of my students have been professional musicians, you know, and mm-hmm. well, I, you know, I mean, they've worked on, incredible projects you know like like some of one you know grants and um uh so so it's been inspiring and some too like were already very advanced jazz performers you know so they mm-hmm. can come in with like some uh are you with a different you know like you're not going to mold their aesthetic like they're already set you know what i mean like it's like mm-hmm. so um so I'm really happy that, you know, like, because as much as possible, like, I feel like, you know, the job of a teacher, I used to use an analogy of like, it's kind of like being a kid in the wheelbarrow, you know, I'm just going to try and steer you to where I think you want to go, but you got to push, you know, because if you're not push, it doesn't matter which way I steer, you know, and right. that's really, you know, all I'm trying to do is figure, and so what happens then a lot of times with like, uh, I think composing lessons tends to be a little bit more chatty you know maybe more philosophical but this was gonna say the second thing i used to do which was really beneficial was i used to always get you know musicians to come in and perform you know i still have like some of these videos of you know available online they can see the work you know people can see the workshops of like you know say like how to write for bassoon you know like the bassoonists would come in and what you get then is a whole different perspective, you know, from the performer, because it's like, well, where do you, you know, you've got this lofty idea, you know, like it's gotta be about, I don't know, like time space continuum or some, you know, and then there's like, Mm -hmm. well, where do you want me to put my finger? You know, it's just really practical. Like, oh yeah, (laughs) on that time space (laughs) continuum, actually put your finger here, you know, and, and do this, you know, or it can't work, you know, or if you see their, 
face turning red, you know, then it's like, well, they're going to die. You know, like just like, right. <laughs> you know, just let you know what you wrote is going to kill them if they actually do it. You know, and so you learn, you know, that like that again, that like um, there's a lot to be said from going from like the concept to like the, you know, seeing it, the actual acoustic sound. Because, you know, the um, another way to think of a score is just a map of an acoustic event, you know, but so you see someone, you know, kind of take those blueprints and actually make you know that acoustical event happen you know so we all experience is is you know you is um super valuable for performers you know i mean composers sorry Mm -hmm. you know i'm valuable for forms too but like i said you can you can uh, start to see the practicality you know scale because like it's something you can do that's kind of novice mistake is like you know you find like if someone said, oh, write for guitar, you know, and they say, oh, well, I don't know. Steve Vai is a good guitar player, so I'm just going to write a lot like I see in the Steve Vai books. And then you hand it to you and it's like, well, you know, good luck, you know, sight reading that. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like. Yeah, right. It's totally. like. That's no, such a specific thing, too. It's yeah. Like not if you replay well, that I mean, style, people do so that with like, like Pagnini on the violin or Rachmaninoff, you know, so you see these like wide hands, you know, can play these like ridiculous chords, you know, that no one else could play. Yeah. And now you're writing right. like that for someone who's got like, you know, little tiny hands, you know, and da da da. Because I mean, again, it's not, you know, you're not just writing for the piano, you know, you're writing for someone behind the piano, you know, to play. Mm-hmm. And. <clears throat> Real quick on that is when I was writing for the harp. I lived next to this, you know, wonderful, her name's Bridget Kibbe, wonderful harpist. You know, she's won like a lot of, so I was asking her, hey, who should I study, you know, for harp writing? And she would told me, check out Benjamin Britten. You know, he really knew how to write for the harp because he worked, you know, with this, the soloist for the harpist for the London Symphony for a long time. So she really helped him with like, you know, all the, idiosyncrasies and da, da, da. two weeks later i fly to an or you know <clears throat> at a residency with an orchestra and i was sitting there with the harpist and i said to her what work should i study you know in order to write for the harp and she said i don't know but whatever you do don't study benjamin Britten because he wrote all <laughs> the, you know he wrote all these impossible parts because he had the soloist from the London Symphony Orchestra you know played him she could play anything you know and so you know that and that was uh, my takeaway is you know one thing is um, there's it's almost like I guess more so for me to be an orchestra is to start to think of myself as like a tailor you know, there is like a bartering. If you know this person can, you know, has large hands and can do da da da, then you can tailor it towards that, you know, and that can right. be super helpful to write specifically, <clears throat> as opposed to if you know it's going to be generic, you know, like you don't know, like not generic, hopefully musically, but generic, like you don't know who's playing it, you know, then yeah, you have to want to be a little bit more, you know, keep that in mind of like who the people are. And there's a lot of, to be said for like, you know, creating, you know, an economy with your material or an elegance, I like mm-hmm. to call it. Because, you know, again, like kind of the, when you're, when I was a bit dangerous, I would say, you know, where I was like, again, had some skill, like I knew enough to like torture people, you know, like everything was hard, uh-huh. you know, it was like, a, yeah, like yeah. I like taken all the techniques and like, and, and that's where some of the things was like, man, it just takes so long to play. 
you know, to get it, you know. Right. And it was like, and that's where, again, like, sometimes the practicality of, like, the film was like, yeah, you have to, but you have to get it done in three hours, you know, you, or or an orchestra is right. yeah, only going to. Yeah, concert piece. People aren't going to Well, even with the concert the piece, like they're, they're only going to spend 45 minutes rehearsing your piece because they got other ones on the concert, you know. Like, so how uh -huh. is it going to get done, you know, and still, you know, be interesting, you know, again, like, that's, and, and it takes, so that's where the hard yards, man, you know, you got to get, like, uh, you know, you got to. Um, experiment with that right right because it's just just because you can doesn't mean you always should so that's where taste and knowledge and experience comes in of knowing like when and how to use well it's normal too certain, i think it's like you, you know. think you you can't like not go through that phase though you know it's just like your first orchestra mm -hmm. piece is going to be everything you've ever wanted to write for orchestra you know it's totally. like you know it's like because yeah. you think like this can be your only shot you know like this is why yeah, yeah. you've just been it. waiting i'm just kidding so right i've been waiting so, to do yeah. it so it's like you know this is the planets and this is you know the firebird and this copeland boom you know and it's like yeah. all this stuff you know and yeah you know like and that's where it's like you can looking at the parts you know you can just go through and like wow i haven't had a single measure rest you know in the whole <laughs> piece like you know the violin is just like there's nowhere for a page turn you know like you can't no, right, it's right, just, right. you know and so yeah well, um, thank you for joining us. Oh, well, I should mention real quick. So if people want to find you for orchestration or uh, compositional orchestration lessons um, or transcriptions and stuff, so your website is douglasgibson.com. That's it. And there's a contact page there, which people can check out or you know, yep. to get in touch with you and, and talk to you about it. And um, and so thank you so much for, for um, joining me on this. I, you know, um, I've learned and continue to learn so much from you it's, uh, it's been a, a, a revelation to me that the amount of information i got I, I um i i started taking lessons with you under a pretty uh transformational era of my life where i was checking my ego a lot and and getting off tour and being in some of those kind of competitive environments and really kind of wanting to start over again mm -hmm. and um and just wanted to to dig more into what i always what i started out to be was a composer and i i started getting work as a session musician to make money but i always had wanted to be a composer and i came back to that and um and just the things uh, first of all just the way that you communicate information um and how each week it was you were you were able to you have such facility over your your knowledge that you were able to twist uh, what you were teaching that week based on where I was going. And sometimes I'd come in with a lot of disjointed questions, but you were able to somehow manage that and turn that into like a, a very clear, like trajectory, you know, and, and, and uh, also be able to find a way to explain it. That made sense to me who I wasn't, although I, I had a little bit of background playing percussion and classical music. I didn't really come right. from some of those worlds. So to find ways to relate it to the world that I came from, um, which we we share a little bit with guitar and rock music. Uh, it was just, um, I mean, it was like the the uh, the the perfect scenario for for me wanting to to delve into that. So um, I think about that often, and it's just uh, it's still to this day I carry all that knowledge with me, and and uh, and and just I think very very highly and, and about use it, it. You know, but, well, thank you, yeah, thank you. So the pleasure is all mine. The pleasure is all mine, and you know, use it, man, use it. <laughs>
<laughs> Shout. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much right. for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us for episode 20 of Anatomy of Tone. Next week, I'm going to dig into the Effectrode Phasomatic Deluxe Pedal. This is a phase pedal that is unlike any other phase pedal you've used before. Well, it's tube, first of all, and second of all, it is one of the only pedals I've found that can truly create that harmonic tremolo that was in some of the early Fender amps and similar to the Magnetone amps that had a very special vibrato circuit into them. But it's not just limited to that. There's so many cool things you can do with this pedal. If anyone's looking for guitar, bass, drum lessons, as well as synth programming, recording engineering, production, music theory lessons, you can reach me at anatomyofguitartone.com. Send a message out. We could talk and feel if it's a good match for you and what your interests and goals are. I'm going to leave you with a composition from Doug called Avalanche.